Hello, and welcome to the show that, despite the pleas of our families and friends, simply will not stop talking about D&D. So ready your spells and weapons, grab the shiniest set of your math rocks, and prepare for Critical Friendship. Uh, so today we're going to be doing a little bit of a Q&A session. We reached out to a group on Facebook called All Things D&D and asked them to help us out in building some details about our homebrew, uh, specifically Dan's Continent of Aelowin. Uh, we got a few really good ones, and we're going to try to get to as many as we possibly can today. Uh, so if we don't get to yours, sorry, but maybe we'll do this again another time. So how do we want to do this? Well, first of all, um, we do have some names that we're going to be producing or pronouncing in here. Um, we were both homeschooled, so if we mispronounce <laughs> your name, I apologize. I swear we can both read, but <laughs> if, your name, if your name gets butchered and you hear this, forgiveness is a virtue. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at pronunciation, but every once in a while I can definitely get stuff wrong. So, Well, I'm <laughs> dyslexic, so... <laughs> I'm sorry. We're going to see how this goes. <laughs> and yet, of the two of us, I'm the reader. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's... Yeah, no, never mind. <laughs> we'll get into that another time. So, Dan, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your uh, kingdom of Aelowin? All right. Uh, so, I'm just going to, you know, give a little peek, or peek behind the curtain here and say that I did write a bunch of this stuff down so that I wouldn't forget. So if it sounds like I'm reading it, it's because I am. You can uh, hear the paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so for Aelowin, it, it all started about a thousand years ago. Uh, a group of adventuring wizards with their leader, Arendor, were traveling across the continent when a rift opened beneath the earth and an ancient dragon broke through it and tore open a great chasm that spanned for many miles across the barren desert-like land. The adventurers battled the dragon and brought it to within inches of death, and the dragon retreated in defeat. But the adventurers discovered that because of the magical essence of the rift, the land in the center of the chasm became lush and beautiful, while the land surrounding transformed into different ecosystems. So two questions right off the bat that I actually have. First, are you willing to share what kind of dragon that was? Or is that a secret for the campaign? Um, I know I had one uh, picked out. I just can't remember it at the moment. Um, okay. I, I know I was looking through some of those uh, dragon... The kobold press ones? Yeah, the books that you gave me. And I was <laughs> like, okay, there's a couple here that are really amazing. But I just I can't remember which one I finally picked. Okay. But I do have a name for it, though, which is... Kind of fun. <laughs> Exciting. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Uh, second question. Um, you said different ecosystems. What do you mean by different ecosystems? Because so, so far we've seen uh, in the campaign, we've seen a little bit of forest and a little bit of wasteland. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, we're still early in the campaign. Yeah. So that's about all we've seen. So I, I will say that um, this is kind of a newer development that I'm, that I've, thought of with the help of my wife um where it's kind of kind of the feel of like a zootopia kind of thing where each section of the continent is actually a different ecosystem okay. it, it's blended in the middle of 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 them but so there's like a 
a tundra. There's a rainforest. There's a desert land. Warren's least favorite is the rainforest already because he's <laughs> terrified of rain. Oh, really? You oh, know yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that's from right. a cave. Rain is not supposed to come from above you, well, or water is not supposed to come from above you. He's also a little bit afraid of the sun, too, because he's <laughs> been no, around that either. No, he just doesn't like the sun. Yeah. It's bright, and he hates it, but right. <laughs> rain, like water coming from above you, was a sign of something horrible is about to happen. Yeah. That's, that's bad. <laughs> Gra- grab the women and children, and maybe we can use them as shields. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Opposite of Titanic. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's it's got some different uh, different feels to it. I think I'm going to add a little bit more to that um, later on just to mm-hmm. give those different feels, but with a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, centralized um, parts that are, are blended a bit. Um, okay. The, the center uh, city, the main king, or the main city of Aelowin, which is also called Aelowin. It's a capital. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. Um, it it's more like lush, like greeneries and and stuff around it, and then it's more metropolis style buildings and stuff like that. Um, and then okay. we'll get we'll get into a little bit more of what that is as well. So, okay. Um, but. Uh, as I said, uh, a central city was built inside and surrounding the chasm, and above it, the broken land was magically altered to be floating mountains that were also built uh, built on it. And Arendor was made king of this land and named named it Aelwyn, meaning chasm or canyon. I like the uh, the floating floating islands thing. We've yeah. we've not come across that yet. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be a little while until uh, you see those. Uh, like you've seen them, but you there's probably from the airship, and yeah, that was about it. Yeah, like you can see them from the ground, but like they're. Weren't we pretty far away though? Uh, they're pretty big. Okay, so you you'd be able to see like so instead of seeing like, like mountains <laughs> on the horizon, you see these weird floaty things. Yeah, basically. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, and then like you'll find out later, but there's like different ways of transporting between them of like there's ladders that are on the shorter they ones go, and, bridge. not ladders but like bridges they built um, bridges out of all the witches yeah <laughs> how did you know she's a witch <laughs> build a bridge out of that <laughs> but can you not also build a bridge out of stone <laughs> oh yeah 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 all right <laughs> back to you uh <laughs> Uh, so Aelwyn is a large enough kingdom now to contain multiple towns, uh, some more affluent or rich than others. Um, the towns that are farther away from the city on the outskirts of the chasm are impoverished, and then as you travel closer to the center, they're more well-off. Um, and as of right now, I only have two actual fleshed-out towns built. Um, That's not true. Well, other than the one that we built, that's right. There is one we... other one up way up in the northwest. Yeah. I was that... gonna say we we built one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> so yeah, there is that one that I'm not sure how long it's gonna be for you guys to get there. So yeah, I mean, or if we ever get there. Yeah. It, um, was, it was mostly just a, a fun world building exercise. Yeah. You'll get you'll get close to it, I think, um, somewhat soon because I have some more ideas that are 
uh, running around that Ariel and I have been talking about. So cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the two towns that you guys know about are um, the one that's based off of A Knight's Tale, uh, Cheapside, and then uh, the one that you guys are in right now called Trumbull. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's a little bit about Aloin. Um, just kind of give you guys a little bit of a, a generality of the, the backstory on it and a couple of details. Cool, 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 cool. So the, uh, the first question that, uh, that we have today... Uh, comes from Steve Stephen Lindley, um, and he asks, "How many hours have you, as a DM, so I'm I'm guessing that's you, Dan, uh, put into the history of this nation, and what does that process look like to you?" Yeah, uh, we can actually both answer this because we are we are both building this world. I'm just building this one continent. Um, so I'll I'll give my answer. Um, so, <laughs> to be honest, uh, this is my first homebrew ever trying to build a world, and um, I'm also a first-time father, so not as much time as I would like to spend on D&D and homebrew building. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> so my process isn't fully formed, um, uh, but what I'm doing right now is I'm kind of building city by city and quest by quest. So as you guys kind of travel to different places, I'm building those cities out, those towns. Mm -hmm. Um, I know pretty much what goes in each one in general. Um, (laughs) uh, So like inns and taverns and town squares and, you know, stuff like that. Um, But... And I, I also knew, like, the overarching storyline, which I gave a little bit of uh, the beginnings of it in the intro here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit difficult right now to uh, figure out how to get from point A to point B and then all the way to the end of point Z. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, like, you have your overarching, you just don't know exactly how to get there. Right, exactly. And I'm I'm still in the middle of building the map and building the the different towns and stuff like that. Which now that I have a little bit more of an idea of what the ecosystems are and somewhat where they're going to be, I can kind of start getting to that. Um, but as I said, it's it's more kind of like as you guys get to a town, I'm like, okay, I gotta like put these little things in real quick before you get there. Buckle down and actually make the town itself. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, But thankfully, you know, you guys have been gracious enough to still have fun when I'm pulling stuff out of my butt. (laughs) Gross. But but what about you? Like on on the other side of this world, uh, did we say what the the actual planet is called or the world itself? Um, so I never actually uh, named it uh, when when I had made like my my map that was going to be the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, was using like a placeholder name. I was calling it Orbis, okay, uh, which just means planet. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's an orb. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. But as far as how much time did I put into the history, um, 
which part of the world are we talking about? Because <laughs> I ran a homebrew in that setting for five, close to six, something like that, years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I had the main central town that they lived in. I had it all planned out, like, how this place, you know, grew to be. You know, it was a war-torn area that there were three different kingdoms kind of fighting over this rich land. And then somebody rose up and was powerful enough to kind of, like, be like, no, 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 this is not yours. This section is going to be none of y'all's. Mm-hmm. And founded a city there um, and then basically just, like, people kind of flocked to it because, you know, there were still hostilities between these kingdoms and they were like, Hey, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Can I come live here with, with you? And he's like, I I suppose. And then this (laughs) city kind of sprung up around it and it's not attached to any gov any of the other like kingdoms or governments, Yeah, but it is now friendly with two of them. And whenever there's like summits held between them, it acts as like a neutral ground, like, okay, here, this, this kingdom and this kingdom that both border it can come here to meet and discuss like, Hey, what do we do about this third kingdom that is actively still hostile towards everyone? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Um, so like there's, there was a lot of history there. There was a lot of history in the three kingdoms surrounding it. And then, um, at one point my wife and I drew up like a whole like map on paper, mostly my wife, because she just, has a steadier hand and better eye than I do. We we kind of used mine the, too. <laughs> well, well, we kind of used the dice method where oh, you yeah. like dump out a bucket of dice on a big sheet of paper and then just kind of clump them together. And it's like, oh hey, they, you know, trace the outline of the dice. That that made me a a continent here, and that mm-hmm. made me a set of islands here, and that made me this. And like, chose different things. Like, okay, this is going to be a mountain range. This is going to be this kind of you know terrain. You know all that stuff. Yeah, and. Did you do it where, like, each, like, kind of dice was those, or was it, like, uh, not you just kind of picked it? So, we, we generally, what we did was we looked at, like, the areas that had a D20 on it, and then we would, I, I had a chart at one point, but we would, like, look at that and then kind of decide, okay, well, that's on a natural 20, so that's going to be this specific type of thing, and, like, mm. okay, so, like you know, five through 10 is going to be this, you know, nice. um, okay. I, I don't know if we ever actually wrote that chart out, but like we, we had kind of like had it in our heads. So we made different geography and stuff based on what was rolled, Nice. but we only really looked at the nat twenties uh, or the, the, the D twenties. Okay. Um, and then I went through and just started making kingdoms and countries and wars and histories and, and alliances and all this stuff for like, <laughs> continents that were you know thousands of miles over the ocean that my players were never going to go to <laughs> and i'm like oh okay well i have the tanin collective and the illustratum and then i have paxa and then i have uh palmarius over here and here's Taram, and then over here is the nyalti swamps and the up north of that is is the uh the odd lands and like just all this extra stuff yeah. that it was like n- they're in this one continent in this one like area surrounding this city and and yes they they one time traveled across one of the kingdoms to get somewhere they needed to go and so they they got to explore one of the friendly kingdoms you know a little bit Mm -hmm. but it was mostly like (laughs) passing through and i had all this history and stuff that was like built into it and they would see something and kind of go neat and then keep moving (laughs) and i'm like Okay, so we have a tendency to do that with <laughs> for some reason. Like we're on a mission. Let we'll yeah. just leave that alone for now, yeah. and we'll come back to it. 
And so, like, there there was one town that uh, my wife and I actually designed together where, like, we had all these named NPCs and these stores and restaurants and, like, all these, like, different characters all over the town. And the players went to, like, three locations. <laughs> I was like, of the, like, 20 that I had. Yeah. And uh, it, it was, I don't know, it, like the amount of time that I put into world building was more than the amount of time I put into actual quest building. Yeah. So like I had the story arc that they were on and then I had like the bones and skeletal structure of the next like three story arcs ready Yeah. because they were going to go through this one and that's was going to be like how they made their name and became heroes. And then, it was just going to be like, okay, the hostilities with this kingdom are boiling up, which that's where one of the player characters was from. And then, oh, there's this like goblin army that is from another character's backstory that's now, you know, gaining in strength again. And then, okay, well, this kingdom has this going. Like I had all these other arcs going on and then the campaign ended. Yeah. And, you know, one one guy uh, joined the Navy and he moved away to be a, a pilot and then, Another guy moved to Seattle with his girlfriend to, um, I mean, she, she got a really good job there and he was like, well, I'm going with her obviously. Yeah. (laughs) And so like everybody just kind of like life moved on and I was like, well, you guys are selfish for focusing on your futures. (laughs) (laughs) And so like we, we tried digital for a little bit, uh, when the one guy got out of basic training, but then the other dude got a job that just, the schedule was so wild and, and we were just like, this, this isn't happening. Like, We we can't maintain this. The the curse of a D and D party. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I've been very lucky that the first one that we've started has stayed this long. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, at some point, I need to start running Icewind Dale again because yeah. that was the first one that you got involved in, mm-hmm. and it's and just we have so many things planned for my yeah. character, and it's it's just been on hiatus <laughs> for so long. <laughs> Uh, darn you overtime at work (laughs) (laughs) yeah so to to answer the question i guess i mean too much several (laughs) several several years worth of planning the history out and and stuff like that like it and and, you kind of went through a little bit of the process as well of like you know you 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 built out the different arcs and then you built out the you know yeah the main big stuff and then kind of yeah one, Whereas and, I'm doing the opposite of <coughs> building the the smaller stuff and then trying to build out the, the bigger mm-hmm. stuff after. Well, and then at one point we went, like, my wife and I, like, she got out a, a notebook and was, like, writing stuff down for me while I was, like, because I'm I'm notoriously bad at actually writing stuff, like, putting it on paper. Same. <laughs> and so we were going through and I basically started with, like, a creation myth. Mm-hmm. And then worked my way down from there. So oh it started, gosh. yeah, it started with this one divine being that like started like creating other like lesser deities and then handing out like, okay, this is your job. Okay. This is what you're in charge of. This is what you do. This Delegating. and like, yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> and then like at like basically went down like the family tree of the gods of where they came from and why they were created and what they're in charge of and, and how basically evil entered the world and how there was a fracture like factions started splitting off amongst them and like who the first one to go evil was and you know like it it got wild and i have no idea where that notebook went i still have it all in my head but if i ever have a brain injury the whole section of that world is just gone (laughs) wait you don't already (laughs) 
<laughs> thought that's why you had so much uh, D&D stuff. No, that's just because I have... Uh, so I have ADHD, but when there's something I'm interested in, it's like a hyper-focus oh, on yeah. it. Oh, of course. <laughs> and so like anything else, my brain is just like, oh, hey, yeah, you're talking about something important, and I hear the Charlie Brown... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then it's like D&D, and I'll sit there and read a, a D&D like, rule book for like four hours straight before yeah. I realize how much time has passed. <laughs> And my daughter's the same way. She brought me the Kobold Press Deep Magic book the other day, and I read, like, half of it in one sitting to her. And then the next day, like, it was still sitting there. And she was like, Daddy, can we read more of that? She's five, by the way. Yeah. She's like, can we read more of that? And I'm like, yeah, kiddo, come here. And I pulled it out, and we finished the book. (laughs) And I was like, man... How much time had gone by? Uh, a lot. But I was like, I was like, man, this is, and you know, there were some sections I skipped because she's oh, she's only five, yeah. and when it starts talking about you know like blood magic and fiend magic and stuff like that, I'm like, maybe not quite yet. Yeah, maybe leave that stuff for later. <laughs> yeah, but cool. So, question two is from Jessica Steele. Um, did you have to create the world, or was it based off of an already written book? So, technically, <laughs> uh, so I'm building on your world, technically, but my continent, I'm trying to make up as much of it as possible. Okay. Um, I ha- like I said, I have the overarching story made up completely, um, but there are certain towns that I... Get like for movies, like, like Cheapside, like Cheapside from A Nice Tale, um, the different ecosystems from Zootopia, but, stuff but like Dan, that. It's waters. Did they reek? <sighs> I was walking down Dumb. from Cheapside. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was the song. I just couldn't think of the next line. <laughs> it's, it's, was there among, uh, along the River Thames? It's waters. Did they reek? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I am ashamed. You should be. <laughs> How dare you? But yeah, no. So like this, this world is. I'm trying to make up as much of it as I can because I don't. I don't want to get too many things from other places because I don't want to have to worry about like if Plagiarism. I ever if I ever write this stuff down and like, you know, it becomes something mm-hmm. more. I don't want to have to worry about plagiarism or copyright or anything like that. I want to be able to let it be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool because I get to collaborate with you and I get to collaborate with my wife and whoever else really wants to get in on it and we don't have to worry about it, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, I do get certain things from movies and, and mostly movies cause I'm not much of a reader. Um, <laughs> but I do like certain books. I am. <laughs> I've read Lord of the Rings. So we're good. I'm proud of you. <laughs> and the Hobbit. I'm uh, proud of you. <laughs> um, oh my gosh! Now read the Silmarillion. <laughs> such a good book. Though. I know it's it, so good. I've heard such good things about it, but I've also heard such like not bad things, but like it, it people can, call it, it boring. Can, no, so <laughs> I I disagree with the boring. I would say dense. Dense. Um, yeah, dense. There is there's like a it. lot to it, but if you if you can get into it, it is such a fascinating book. But, I'm sure, but that's that's my inner Tolkien fangirl coming out. <laughs> um, so I I think with your with your whole thing about like um, 
wanting to make up as much of it as possible and have no like plagiarism or as very little stealing from other things as possible. It's a noble goal, but you have to remember a little bit of biblical wisdom here mm. that there is nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, <laughs> so like, and, and that's kind of something I ran into with my half of the world too, is yeah. it's like you want as much of it to be like completely unique and, and new and, and original. And then like you start describing something and one of your players goes, Hey, is that from this? And it's like, well, no, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess it, like <laughs> I was not thinking of that when I came up with this, but like I guess it is. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's always going to be in your brain yeah. of different things that you love yeah. and you like, and, and it's and like it's very going to come through. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Or I would I would be describing something, and somebody would be like, "Oh, I know what this is from. This is from some obscure thing I'd never heard of before." And I'm like, "I don't know what that is at all." And they're like, oh, really? It's this, blah, blah. And they'd like sit there and describe exactly what you just talked about. And it's like, <laughs> well, I've never read that. But I guess I stole from this thing I've never heard of. <laughs> like if, if I, if I, you know, based it off of something else, I, I will always be like, yeah, it's, it's off of this. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> but like, like, I mean, straight up one of the, one of the goddesses, um, my, uh, one of my players was a cleric and he wanted to have one of the goddesses from the forgotten realms. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Hey, can, can my goddess be Elastrahi? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Now, if this was ever going to become like a podcast or something like that, where, where we had like a live play campaign, we would be changing the name of that. Yeah. Also one of the kingdoms that I have was like, I literally was, was completely like mentally dead the day we were, they were going into this kingdom mm-hmm. and they were like, Oh, what's this kingdom called? And I just got on Google translate and punched in potato. <laughs> and so <laughs> in what language did you look it up? I, I think it ended up being in Latin. It was like Capsicum or something like that. Oh, okay. And so it was like, and, and I just told them the name. They're like, oh, that's a neat name. And then later my wife was like, so what was that? And I was like, it means potato. Like, And so like if, <laughs> if, if, if anything ever comes of it, I'd probably change that name too. Because it's but like, why though? I mean, I it's guess why. Because we'd have the one dude that speaks Latin be like, wait, did you just... Did you just name your kingdom Potato? <laughs> yes, I did. Atreya would be proud. Atreya, which is funny because that's actually where her character's from, and it was before she ever made that character. That's amazing. And then so when, when she was, like, putting that as part of her thing where she's just, like, loves eating potatoes, especially, like, raw potatoes, thinks it's a travesty to cook them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you realize she's from a kingdom named Potato, right? And she goes, no, I didn't. But that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So like it. there there was random things like that where it's like, oh hey, what is this place called? And it's like, uh Google Translate. Like I mean I, I named it a, works. I named like I had a named monster that was I just punched in uh Ripper and then translated it, I think, to Croatian or, or something like that. Okay. And so it I mean it, it came out with a great name. It was yeah. Trebozjak. And nice. I was like, okay, that's kind of intimidating and scary and also fits, you know? Yeah. Like and so like there there's a lot of that that just like I'm like, man, I really should have thought of a name beforehand. Google Translate, help me. <laughs> you know, the way I came up with the name for Aloin, I was going through Google Translate mm-hmm. looking for different meanings of or different words for um, 
crevice or chasm or or mm. things like that in a different language. So I was looking in, I, I believe it was Gaelic. So a very mm. Scottish or Irish. Uh, love Gaelic. Yeah, I love it. Um, I can't 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 speak it, but I love the right. sound of it. it sounds so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I was looking up those words and came across Aelwin and I was like, oh man, this is a this is a beautiful name. Ever since that day, every time I try to tell someone that that's what it is, I cannot find it. Huh. I cannot find it. I look it up in Gaelic or or whatever it was, and uh, I look up Aelwin, can't find it. Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't mean what I think it means, or whatever it was. And I'm like, how did I get this? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. But... Google Translate's definitely a good. I mean, you could way probably punch names. in the word Aluin and then it'll it'll say what it detects. Well, yeah, no, that's what I did. Oh, and, and it's it, just not. It's it not, either doesn't come up or it comes up with a different meaning huh. than what I had originally had it. Weird. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> you dream- All about Aluin. You, you <laughs> dreamed it. <laughs> yeah, I must have. <laughs> okay. Um, but. but- yeah, I was gonna say the the uh, you were talking about how like the goddesses and and gods in your world you were naming and stuff like that. It actually kind of perfectly leads into this next question. Um, comes from Ian Firstenworth. Firstenworth I, is I, such a great name. It is. I I think that's if probably we're pronouncing my it correctly. Yeah. Um, it sounds like a D and D character it name. Does. Like it like, sounds like one of Matt's. Like I, yeah, <laughs> I am Lord. Scorvin von Furstenworth. <laughs> like that's amazing. Ian, you have a great name. I hope you hear this. I I hope that this person hears it and also We someday, pronounced it correctly. <laughs> no no. Someday we get to like do a live play and he hears his name again as an NPC. As an NPC. <laughs> that's amazing. He's he's one of he the is... one of the nobles of Aluin. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Lord, for sure. Lord Furstenworth. <laughs> And we're being completely sincere when we say yes, that is a absolutely. phenomenal last name, <laughs> sir. Uh, so I kind of combined a couple of questions together. So this is a combined uh, person question. So it's from Ian Firstenworth and Scott Pearson. Um, they both had similar questions. So uh, okay. the questions they had were, what gods are present? Or did I add gods to the Pantheon, and what was the inspiration, and what are their domains? Okay, so that's a lot. Uh, that's, that's several questions. <laughs> um, and I, I, think, I think this would actually be a fun one for us to both answer, not that we haven't both been answering, because right. you and I had some differences on this one. Yes. And I actually think that it was really fun to leave it more ambiguous Mm -hmm. because my wife was like, well, don't you guys have to make a decision which one's real? And I'm like, no, we we don't. Um, So on my side of the world, because we we split it like north north to south. Was that what it was? Yeah. So we both have all of the different climates, but we split it north to south. Okay. Oh, okay, from north to south. Yeah, got it. Got it. Yeah, okay. not not you have the northern, I have the southern. Is like I have the eastern, you have the western. Right. Okay. Um. So on my half of the globe, uh, it's polytheism is believed in. Mm-hmm. So there was one 
over God or however you want to say it that created all of the other ones. And there's among those ranks, there's greater deities and lesser deities and stuff like that. Yeah. And then um, essentially you could ascend to Godhood by um, if you come up with a new concept mm-hmm. and it becomes some like it, it, it goes out into the world. And I, I don't mean a new concept like, Oh, Hey, I invented a flying machine. It's like, no, 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 no. That falls under artifice. Yeah. But like, if you come up with a genuinely new thing that doesn't exist already and are able to manifest it in the world, then you become the God of whatever that is. And depending on how greatly it changes things depends on whether you're a greater deity or a lesser deity. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, there's a God of martyrdom who was the first person to ever selflessly sacrifice himself for the good of other people and to take on their suffering for them. And so he became on his death, a deity that is over kind of the domain of martyrs and so like he protects them and lessens their pain and stuff like that and 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 you know blesses them on their death and stuff like that because he invented this whole new selfless act of being martyred for other people so there's there's stuff like that that happens where it's like some people are attempting to reach godhood but when do you ever come up with a brand new concept while you're trying to think of a brand new concept (laughs) so it's it's kind of like you know Sisyphus pushing the boulder uphill. He's yeah. never going to make it. Right. Um, uh, the other way was if you you could carve off a piece of another deity's divine domain, and basically if you got enough people following you and and worshiping you and praying to you and stuff like that, and then you were able to create a basically outer plane of your own that would generally start off as a demi plane and then you would grow it and cultivate it into something like uh mount celestia or the abyss or something like that yeah you could create your own divine plane and then you would have your worshipers and then when they died their souls would go to you which would add on to your power and eventually you would become a deity Mm -hmm. but that way was kind of like a, okay, I'm going to kind of steal from this guy a little bit, just carve off a piece of his domain and make it mine. It takes a little longer to quote unquote, like it seemed like almost a bit more work. Yeah. And, and and you would also have to have some form of immortality while you wait to gather enough strength and, and stuff like that. And certain types of immortality will have, you know, beings like Maruts and stuff like that come after you because you're going against the natural order of right, things. Yeah. So, like, if you become a lich so that you can gain the immortality so that you can wait until you've become a deity, well, you might end up with, you know, one of the other gods hunting you down and killing you for, you know... Going against the natural order. Defying yeah. the cycle of life <laughs> and death, you know? <laughs> um, but... Most of them I kind of uh, came up with on my own. So, like, there was the first one, and then he created, basically created matter, and then created a god that was the god of creativity. Mm. So he blessed him with creative thinking and creative thought. Yeah. And basically put him in charge as the advisor to all of the gods that came after him, where when they wanted to build something or create something or make something new, they would go and consult with this specific deity and then he would give them his advice. But eventually that turned into, okay, well now he's, 
he's getting these ideas from these other gods and goddesses and saying, oh, I can do that better than you can because my mind is more expanded than yours and then would just start taking over and, you know, elbowing and shoving his way into all of these other domains instead of doing what his job was of basically top advisor to all of the other deities. Right. And therefore, you know, became like the prideful, almost Luciferian or, or Melkor style deity that fell and became less than he was granted because he wanted more. Yeah. And then after he was banished from this world, the, the, divine domain of creativity and creative thought was passed on to a different deity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like that, that can also happen is the mantle can be passed on. Okay. Nice. But your side of the world My is side. very different. Yeah. <laughs> My side of the world is very much, uh, monotheistic. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to read my answer here. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of fun. Cause Dan, like, Dan chose the questions we were going to answer. And so he has like, he had more time to think about these and I'm just like riffing because, (laughs) because I did have the like five some odd years of experience of like just plotting this out in way too much detail. And so I'm like, Oh yes, I remember doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just now doing this. So, (laughs) Hey, but you sound more prepared than I do because you knew the questions beforehand. (laughs) True. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not. This is great. <laughs> it's, it's letting me remember some of what I made. Yeah. It's true. Um, so the, the way I wrote this down was, because uh, it, it was a very interesting question because of this difference mm-hmm. in, in the, the two halves of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically the way I said it was I, I understand, like, in a lot of D and D, they they use a lot of polytheism and mm-hmm. and um, those kinds of things in the world lore, and um, that there's a lot of gods and demons and uh, and domains and and stuff like that. But me, as a Christian, and you as well, are a Christian. But for me, I was a little less comfortable with that idea of mm-hmm. of the polytheism. So I wanted to try to simplify it a little bit more for for my side of the world. Um, I'm not completely against it. Like mm. I, I'm not like, you know, telling you, Oh, you shouldn't have it like that. No, <laughs> don't worry. I, I, I wasn't, under- <laughs> I wasn't thinking that Dan, I know you well enough, but I guess our but audience for, doesn't yeah, for, for more. So the audience, like they, I'm not trashing people who, who have, you know, uh, polytheistic worlds that, that they're building. Mm. I, just for me and my comfortability... Well, you better not. Tolkien did. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. <laughs> and who can blame him? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so on my side of the world, it is a, a monotheistic homebrew, which means there's only one god. But there are a lot of powerful beings and angelic and demonic Things that can grant divine power that are godlike. They're godlike, but they're not God. Mm-hmm. There is one God, one God only, who can, who is the overseer of everything. Mm-hmm. Kind of like yours, and I think we kind of 
made it where it was the same overarching god. Yeah, so the 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 over god is the same deity like the one on my side is the same deity that that they venerate and worship on your side. It's just on my side they believe that all of these other beings that he delegated out tasks to they believe that they're also gods whereas yours it's like no they're celestials of some sort. Yeah. So it, fallen or otherwise. Right. Yeah. Um which is cool because uh in one of our last uh sessions one of the character one of our one of my players got to meet one of these uh mm. celestial angels. Yeah, because uh, he became a, a he became a celestial d- divine, divine, divine soul divine soul source because it was between right. that and the celestial pact warlock. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't know the name of it or anything because it was just a quick like you he know, was dying he and was dying. spoke to yeah. him. <laughs> Basically. Oh yeah! You For those die. of you who have been following our previous episodes, we survived. Oh hey, that, yeah. that wild encounter that we were so worried about. <laughs> Dan was worried he would TPK us, and I was like, "We're all gonna die, yeah. but it's okay. We survived. Hey. It was great." <laughs> Sorry, quick side note, yeah. but you know, back back to you. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, as Ozzy was laying there dying, this celestial came up and was like, "You know, you can either die here on the ground, or you can." follow follow my purpose mm-hmm. and my purpose and if you want to call it his domain mm-hmm. is chivalry courage and protection so he just he embodies that crap and i had a god that was that was over that but i don't remember the <laughs> name for it which means we get to work that we out get together to work it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice um but yeah so I just I wanted to make my my homebrew a little bit different from most of the other ones where mm-hmm. it it followed a little bit more of my personal beliefs and just didn't make me feel like oh there's going to be a an element of you know I, I don't want to say blasphemy cuz it's it's not blasphemy yeah. it's it's a it's a creative thinking way of doing things you know yeah. Um, but but you didn't want to have to turn your thoughts into such an unnatural way of right. thinking just to appease the 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 desire for okay well my cleric wants to follow this you know right but it's still like, give it's them like an option you, you to, still have that option yeah. to follow different beings but it's not like forcing your brain into saying oh well this is the god right. of and it's not it's not so much a worship kind of thing mm-hmm. either it's more like you follow this their god tenets. yeah this god here or this like the overarching god mm-hmm. gave power to these angels and the the fallen angels also have this power and mm-hmm. can grant that to others yeah so it's not a worship it's a it's a follow the tenets follow, and it's yeah. it, if you're following one of the good ones it's still going towards right and and that's that's kind of the way um like worship of any of the good gods still went to right, that one yeah. on my side because it was like all of their power was granted by this one mm-hmm. and so anything in creation that was not fallen or evil was for him and even the things that were fallen and evil and dark and corrupted were okay it's in my plan 
So go ahead and, and go ahead, Melkor, sing your little song. <laughs> it's all part of my grand verse. Yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, I, I fall on Tolkien a lot um, just because it's... <laughs> Read the, the genius. Read the Silmarillion, man. Like, <laughs> I'll have to borrow it because I, I don't think I have it. <laughs> but but back to back to kind of something we mentioned at the at the top of this question. Um, it was actually fun, uh, kind of working this out between you and I because Heather at one point asked me, "Okay, well, so who's right?" Because like <laughs> like you have your side of the world that's worshiping multiple gods, and Dan has his side of the world that's got like a god, and then a bunch of angels and fallen angels and fiends and demons and stuff like that. So like, who's right? And I said, well, okay, look at our world if you can from a secular point of view. You have hundreds of different religions, and from a secular person's point of view, who's right? Mm. They don't know. And so that's why you have agnostics and stuff like that, because it's like, well, we, we they don't believe they can know who is right and who is wrong. So they're just like, I choose to abstain and not know. And so it's like you have this side of the world that is fully firm in their belief that there is only one and the rest are celestials or fiends of some sort. And then you have this other side of the world that fully believes that, no, 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 these aren't, like, there are celestials, but they're, like, these ones are gods, and yeah. you cannot convince me otherwise. And so, but, and so it's it's kind of like that little bit of realism in it, and, and Heather was like, okay, but which one of you is correct? And I was like, I was like, we don't have to make that decision, because that's up to each individual player which belief they fall into. Is it mono or poly? Like, yeah. What what do you what does your character believe? And she was like, "Well, I want to believe whichever one is correct in the world." And I was like, "Well, <laughs> <laughs> which like, one do you think is like, correct?" <laughs> like, I don't know. In in the real world, I'm pretty darn convinced that I'm correct, but like not everybody is. And yeah. you know what? <laughs> I'm sorry, more power to you. I I wish you would would see things my way, but I can't force you to. So yeah. like your character which one do you think is correct? Which one does Atreya believe in? And she was like, oh, well, she's a barbarian. I don't have to make that decision. Yeah. And I was like, that's fair. <laughs> Worm doesn't either. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, that's, that's the nice thing so far about this, this, the players that I have is they don't, they, nobody's trying to get super yeah, into that. Exactly. Like there are clerics and stuff that I've, mm-hmm. I've had in the world so far. And they, they haven't been a problem, so... <laughs> yeah, like, it, it was one that showed up to Lord Jabaris's house and was helping him with a, a healing decision, and then, like, we were like, okay, cool, you got this handled, we're gonna go deal with this thing, and then we all almost died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, actually, I actually really like the fact that neither one of us has taken the, like, no, 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 this is what's actually right. It's like, no, it's, it's, up, it's up to you. It's up, like, yeah, it's up to whoever's... DMing yeah. at that point. <laughs> well, it, it's it's not just that. It's up to your player because, or, yeah, like, yeah, if, yeah. if Heather wanted to, like, play a cleric and say, like, oh, yes, I'm following the god of this specific thing, other people around could be like, no, that's not a god. That's a celestial. But she can have the full belief that, like, yeah, no, this is real. Like, I had a guy uh, playing a one-shot set on my half of the world that uh, he believed in dualism. Okay. So there's a god of good and a god of evil, and it's actually the same god, but it has two different faces. Uh, and like, like he was, he was like, <laughs> he was super into it. And then the NPCs would look at him and be like, "No, 
Yeah. That's not real. And he's like, he's like, oh, who are you to tell me that my religious beliefs are wrong? And like, he would get into this like really long debate yeah. with these NPCs that were kind of just like, I don't want to be here right now. Like, this guy's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it just, it was this fun little thing that like, he created his own little bit of lore that his character was convinced was real. And it was never official lore, but Barry believed it was fact. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, Go for it, dude. Like, have fun. Yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. Like, <laughs> like, you you be your character as long as you're not disrupting the game. <laughs> yeah, and as long as it doesn't create you know problems for the other players mm. of like, are you fighting over this? Are yeah. you doing in like, are you doing PC versus PC because you yeah. Know, well, he, he he's he, on his crusade of <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, he he never did that. Like, if if people asked him about it. He had these like really long winded spiels talking about it, but then he would like people would be like, "Okay, Barry, that's enough," and he's like, "Oh, okay, well, I thought you were interested. That's why you brought it up." Right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, "Yeah, I just had a question. I didn't need your whole, you know, pitch." Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it was it was it was rather fun. So we have question number four. Uh, Mark Bloomberg asked, I hope that's correct, Mark Bloomberg, uh, what is magic like in your world? Do you want me to split all of these up or do you want me to No, ask? you can read them all. Okay. So it's, what is magic like in your world? Is it commonplace or would people be surprised by its use? Or would they even be frightened? Are magical items commonplace or are they rarities of intrigue? Are there dealers of such items, or are they hoarded in the vaults of kings and queens, or even lost to time, hiding in ancient ruins? So he's asking, I guess, is this like a super high fantasy setting, or mid-fantasy, or low fantasy? Right. So, on my side of the world, again, it is it is very much... So, magic was always present in mm-hmm. on the continent. Whatever, you know villages and stuff were there they always had some kind of magician or shaman or you know whatever it was that they they had magic mm-hmm. um but when the rift appeared it uh with its magical properties uh magic became more became of more importance and of prevalence mm-hmm. um the knowledge um the knowledge was sought after, and the ability to do magic became more commonplace. Mm-hmm. Magic items are more commonplace toward the center of the kingdom, where lesser magic items are used for everyday mundane tasks. Like, so for an example, uh, I, gave, I gave these couple of examples to Ariel earlier. It was like, you know, uh, a ring of... Um, uh, a ring of levitation or boots of levitation mm-hmm. are used to hang up signs. You know, okay. like they like they just are able to lift up and put a sign on their store. You know, uh, so it's a very magic reliant society in the capital. It is very much enchantment based. Yeah, everything. It's not necessarily that they're all like great practitioners of magic, right. but they all have like minor wondrous magic items that help them to do these day-to-day things. Right, exactly. Okay. But, so, like, if you took your thing to a repair shop, you would probably have a wand or scroll or something of mending rather than learning the that, trade of... That was the other example I gave was, like, a Atreus, Atreus hammer. Uh, hammer. Like, 
those are things that you can break it down or you can build it. Mm-hmm. It's a very day-to-day task that you can do with a magic item very easily. Mm-hmm. So think, you know, the the wizarding world of Harry Potter, like they do all of their mm-hmm. their stuff with magic. So okay. they can do these things but more so with magic items, not with actual like, you know, they can do magic. It's more through the items. Um but there are definitely more rare items that are set aside for adventurers and for the armies that are sent out and give the, given special, you know, higher abilities mm. to use these items. And then there are even rarer items that are meant specifically for the king and for his inner circle. So this this makes me think somewhat of the uh, the Netherese Empire in the Forgotten Realms, where at the heart of their cities... So at the heart of yours, you said there's a magical rift. So at the heart of the Netherese Empire cities, they would have these massive, magical, like, super-powered, basically nuclear reactors of magic mm-hmm. uh, called Mythalars. Yeah. Okay. And they were such a powerful empire because they could make all of these like mass produce magical items that were like really powerful, but they were powered by the Mithalar. Mm-hmm. And so like, if they got too far away from it, it would start to weaken and then it would become a mundane item again. But because their cities could move, it was like, okay, so we're going to fly our city over, you know, the area that we want to conquer. We can send our troops to the ground with these insanely powerful magical items, wreck shop, and they never have to get outside of the range of the Mithalar. Mm-hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but is that is that some way that, like, the people protecting the capital of Aluin actually do? Or, or is, it, is it they've harnessed it and it's no longer reliant on that and now it's an independent item that can go where it needs to it's it's more so like that where okay like they have this source of magic that they can use to enchant Mm -hmm. uh items and they're able to be brought out so it's almost like uh um in uh Sorry, I'm not trying to compare these no, because no, because this is a thing that I'm sure you haven't read. Um, it's the the uh, starter set for for fifth edition. Right. Uh, you're looking for this mine that inside was this legendary, basically object item location called the Spellforge. Mm-hmm. That was specifically like it was a, a magical wellspring that they would use for enchanting items and then they could sell them. And that was like the big trade of the the wave echo cave. Mm-hmm. And so they would forge things in the spell forge and they would have magical properties because of that. And then they would sell them. That's basically it. Yeah. OK, like, so it so it's like a more massive scaled spell forge, but yeah. it's a rift. Yeah, it's a it's a rift that the the dragon itself came from came okay. through came from the other side of the came rift the, from the other side of the rift okay. but there's magic that's pouring so in from this there's rift. some kind of interdimensional magic yeah. in this rift okay yeah okay interesting so. <laughs> very cool very cool which i think we had talked about when we first i think we had talked about but for some reason my brain like i i misremembered it and i was remembering you saying like oh there was this magical rift here and the dragon was trapped underground and then it broke out from underground. I didn't remember that it came through the rift yeah. and then clawed its way to the surface. Yeah. So that's, yeah, like a, that's a 
a detail that my brain had just gotten twisted. <laughs> just twisted it a little bit, yeah. Like, like for the first several sessions of, of the campaign, I thought everything around in this area was, like, mainly wasteland except for these tiny pocket oasis. Right, right. And then I said that, and you were like, no, that's not how it is. I was I, like, wait, it's not? <laughs> <laughs> I think we had originally said that when we were starting to build the world, and then I was like, you know what? It probably needs to be a little bit different because it, part of it that was might, a wasteland. Part of that might have been due to the fact that one of the dragons you were looking at like in depth was the wasteland dragon yeah I, yeah and I so that's, that's probably part of what got it stuck in my head that mm-hmm. oh it's always land <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that's probably what it was um, okay but yeah no it was a wasteland and now it's all it's becoming more lush due to the magical influence it, it has been like for a long time it's been yeah. a thousand years so it, yeah like from that point it be it started to spread and then as you the get land. further out it's less and it's less. less and less yeah exactly cool got it <laughs> got it oh yeah i actually had a follow-up question on on uh on what you were talking about so aluin capital aluin uh seems very dependent on magic and you were talking about like okay a lot of their more mundane tasks they have delegated to magical item use um and it's been this way for like a thousand years, right? Uh, it's it hasn't been like that for a thousand years, but it did grow into that in okay. that thousand years. So, so there's a whole generation of people, more or less, that have become very reliant on the use of everyday magical items that replace skill and knowledge and things like that. Mm-hmm. What would happen to that kingdom if? I mean, this is complete hypothetical. I'm not saying that this is where it needs to go or anything. <laughs> but say there's a powerful celestial or fiend or or even just a really powerful wizard that creates a dead magic zone there. Mm-hmm. Will that city's society start to fall apart because, okay, we don't have tradesmen anymore. We have, instead of like you know, somebody who can come in and repair your roof. We have somebody shows up with a magic hammer and goes, dink, you're mm-hmm. done. F- fix it. Felix style. <laughs> and now, okay, this is now a dead magic zone or something happens to the rift where it's no longer allowing this type of mass production of items to happen. What happens to the everyday man? What happens to the society where there's now, I'm not going to say no, but it seems like a lot, like very diminished skilled laborers there. Mm-hmm. So what, what becomes of Aluin then? So let me put it this way. There is a storyline in, in process that I'm coming up with. Oh no, did I stumble on the truth? Uh, <laughs> not really. Like it, it's, it's something that's been on my mind of... Okay, so I, I like I said, I, I trust you to not metagame, so I can tell you at least this, that one of the things that has been uh, worried about mm-hmm. is that it does seem like the magic is diminishing. Okay. So, the like, it's all diminished at the edges of, of the continent. It's starting to... Collapse back, back in on in. itself. Yeah. Okay. So... It, it's not something that most people have noticed yet, um, but the king does know about it. Mm, I don't okay. know if you remember, but I did ask you for an insight check on one of the when, first... When he was, like, looking super concerned and yes. worried. Got it. So, 
you but i failed that because you failed it because <laughs> you're not very insightful you would think as a ranger i would have higher wisdom but i dumped all my stats into other things because spell casting was a tertiary yeah <laughs> so i don't expect this... chose spells with no saving throws yeah <laughs> um yeah so i don't expect you guys to get to this storyline for a while mm-hmm. but it is something that's in the works where you you'll find it's that... an overarching issue yeah okay interesting interesting Okay, well that answers my uh, <laughs> my uh, my little. Let's put it this way: I'm glad I had an answer for that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, I, I was asking it as like a, hey, if you don't have an answer, let's come up with one yeah. here and brainstorm. But that's awesome. Glad you got that. Question number five. By the way, this is also why he is sending you on these different missions. Mm-hmm. So that he knows that he can trust you, because there is a very, very, very inner circle that he keeps, mm-hmm. and he. Wants I think to we make discussed sure... that at one point. Yeah, when when we were first uh, brainstorming some of this, a little bit of that will be revealed in in this next question. Okay, cool. I, a little. Yeah, there we go. That's a good segue. Uh, <laughs> question number five: Taggart Williams. Uh, asks, who are some notable historical figures that would be common knowledge or maybe have mythology surrounding them? So this is kind of fun because the only player who would know any of this would be your wife because she's the only player character who is from Aelwyn. Yep. Everybody else is from, I think Heather's from my side of the globe. Worm I, I is think, from somewhere undetermined in the Underdark. Yeah, and I think Ozzy as well. And I think Ozzy came from... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he came from Tanin. Okay. Which is funny because if my if Worm dies and my backup character shows up, he's from Illustratum, which was in direct conflict oh, no. and at war with the Tanin Collective. Oh no. So that's gonna be interesting. Well, okay, he's he's a defector because he got disillusioned with the war, but mm. it'll be interesting having that that dynamic between Yeah. This That's is why fun. I shouldn't plan backup characters so strongly because I get so invested and interested and then I think of things like this and I go, ooh, but what if Worm did die? I don't want him to, damn. but if it ever happens, there'll be some cool stuff yeah. that we can, we can play around with between the three of us. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> so back to the question. Yeah. So back to the question. Originally, I will say that the the one I'm going to mention right now is the only thing I really had mm-hmm. up until this point. When this question was asked, I was like, okay, I've got to come up with some some good ones. Well, it, and then it, today I was like, okay, I've got some. <laughs> it's kind of nice because from what I understand is it's a fairly young kingdom. So the the king is an elf, correct? <laughs> no. No? What is the king? He is human. He is human. Okay, he's just been alive for a long time. He's been alive for a th- over a thousand years. Okay, so there's some sort of interesting stuff going on with him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought he was an elf. Nope. Okay, so I, I just figured, Dan, he likes elves. Probably <laughs> elf. Um, okay, so that's interesting. But it's but it's not a terribly old kingdom, correct? It's a, it's about a thousand years old. Okay. So it's... It, so it's like, older it was than America. From, yeah, it's so been... It, building for like i would say it took them about a couple hundred years to get the (coughs) actual 
city up and running. But, it, but it's old enough to but, have mythology. You know, right. America's not all that old, and we still have historical and almost mythological, uh, yeah. you know, people from our past. Yeah. That... I, I more did the historical side of things mm-hmm. of, like, you know, these are some notable people that if you talk to Aaliyah about it, she'll know these people mm-hmm. or she'll know about them. That's that's kind of cool because I made I made the, the city that they were playing in on my side of the world fairly young. Like it was only like 200, 300 years old mm-hmm. because one of them started asking me all these questions about history and I was like, it's really not that old, dude. <laughs> and, and it was just kind so of like maybe, a... Maybe some <clears throat> of your people have come from my side. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it was just kind of funny that it was like a snap decision of I don't have an answer for this. It's fairly young. <laughs> it's only a couple. Yeah. Like there's elves alive right now that were adults before this city was ever a thing. So yeah. <laughs> cool. Uh, okay, so the first one I have is Arandor, mm-hmm. the king of Aelwyn. He's a human. Uh, known for defeating Volcander, the ancient dragon, and, and founding or, uh, the ancient dragon, and founding the city of Aelwyn. I like that name. Isn't that fun? <laughs> okay, um, it sounds like a fire dragon of some sort. Just because, we'll see. just because Vulcan was the Roman name for Hephaestus, who was also god of fire and mm. stuff like that. So, like. Vulcan and also volcano and like all these yeah, just true. just makes me think fire, which again don't let that sway yeah, you no, at I, all. If I you have a different dragon in mind, I don't want him to be a fire dragon because that's just way too overdone. Uh, over, I want it to be something cool. So. I mean, and with you <laughs> looking through the the Tome of Beasts and the Creature Codexes, like there's so many other options for oh, dragon yeah. that are like, I mean, for there crying out loud, one. why why pick why pick a red dragon when you can pick a void dragon, like. That might have been it. Oh dear God! How did he beat that thing? Those things are freaking insane. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Although it hundred percent sure, but... it would make sense a void dragon coming through a dimensional rift. Yeah, because like if you read their lore, it's like it's right there. They love to dimension hop. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what <clears throat> what made me think about or made me uh, decide on that one because I think it was. <laughs> I don't think we yeah. can beat that, Dan. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And, and and if we do, I understand why they left it within an inch of its life and let it go. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like As they my, didn't kill it. Yeah, so. that's that's my favorite dragon from the from the Kobold Press books. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> and when it dies, it's way more deadly than it is when it's alive. <laughs> um, don't worry, no meta knowledge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then obviously Volcander is another mm-hmm. historical slash myth- mythological, if you want to call it that. But I gave him a, a secondary subname too, okay. and I'm I'm really happy with it. Okay, so Volcander the Rift Breaker. Magusta, <laughs> he got a title on it. Yeah, I was so happy. So here's a question. So, uh, Arandor. Arandor is the king. Aaron, Arandor. Cool. I didn't. I wasn't able to find it before I remember. Okay. <laughs> so Arandor and his adventuring party, they fought off Volcander. Mm-hmm. Has he been seen since? No. No. Are there 
so that 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 can play into the mythology of it. Are there rumors where people will tell stories of like, oh man, you know what happened in this area? There used to be a city there, and it could even be that there never even was. Like, man, there used to be a city there, and and it was the first sighting of Volcander in a couple hundred years, and he showed up and just blasted the land. They have like this elaborate story of what happened, and mm-hmm. it's like you're full of it. That never happened. Like, <laughs> like, but but you know that's how mythology goes. Like, yeah. Any kind of tragedy can even be like, oh yeah, there was an earthquake. It's very or earthquake. An earthquake. I love mm. those. I want an earthquake now. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I'd I rather earth pie though. Mm. Pie is better, objectively better. speaking. <laughs> Heather disagrees with me, but. She's wrong. She's allowed to be wrong, but she's wrong. Um, but like, you know, any natural disaster, like, oh, there was a really bad storm and lightning struck three times in this same city. And it's like, oh, it's Volcander. He's yeah. cursing, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. So even even Definitely if he hasn't, play. even if he hasn't been seen in, you know, all this time, people still like. They think they, they speak things, his name yeah. in whispers, and like there's like a really heavy cloud cover, and somebody swears they saw the shadow of Volcander <laughs> flying overhead. Yeah. You know, like crazy, just wild stuff like that, where it's complete made up Utter whole cloth, but but, yeah. <laughs> but but people believe it because that has so much to do with the founding of their kingdom that they're just like, well, it could be true, like. Yeah. Absolutely, he's like just—he's just the thing that they blame all of their misfortune on. Like, <laughs> like, oh, my crops died. It must be Volcander. Like, why? Because he's, he's out there still. Like, yeah. <laughs> he didn't die. <laughs> and there could even be people who believe that he's dead. Yeah, and like, no, the king, he's never coming like, back. Yeah. He died of his injuries. Like, like in the in the Hobbit movie, not in the Hobbit books, but like they they talk about Azog, and he's like, oh, he died of his injuries years ago. Or in the book, that's true. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, as of the defiler. Yeah, like they—they're just like, oh, pfft, he's not a thing. He died years ago, like you know, all those thousand years ago or so. Like, the king killed him. He just injured him, and he flew off and died in a pit by himself. And we don't ever have to worry about him again. And then you have the hardcore believers that he's still there and yeah. twisting fate against the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or you know, even in Harry Potter, the whole like Voldemort thing is mm-hmm. like. You know, everybody is trying to dissuade everyone from thinking that he's coming back or yep. that he is back. And it's yeah. just like uh, the the minister of magic being, no, he's not back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Nope. He's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's 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 cool. I like that. That little snippet of mythology. Yeah. This is why this episode was a good idea. I think we should do a part two of this because oh, we yeah. have we have a lot more questions. I, I think we're only going to get through this and then yeah. and then probably end it. But yeah, um, and I really want to get through this because this is, this was really fun for yeah. me to do. <laughs> yeah, no, this this is this is this is fun. Yeah, speaking objectively, I'm just enjoying <laughs> myself. <laughs> You guys at home might not, but I'm enjoying myself, and that's really what this podcast is about. Me. And me. Mm. And us together. (laughs) Okay. Imagine me and you. I do. (laughs) Okay. This is why we We have have like three friends. (laughs) All right. Volcander and the Rift Breaker. Let's get back on it. All right. So the next set of people that uh, that I came up with today um, <laughs> is Aaron Doerr's, uh adventuring party, and so the this adventuring party was a group of wizards that yep. were we uh, had discussed that yes, I remember, yeah. um, 
And so Ariel and I were talking about, well, like, what's their name? So they're they're a bunch of wizards. So they're probably going to be more on the intelligent, like, uh, higher educated, higher educated, more literal, like, you know, whatever they were. So they're all and specifically wizards. They're not different types of they, spellcaster. They're all specifically wizards. So they're they are multi. Some of them are multi-classed. Some of them are. Um, uh, Specific schools of magic of wizards. As wizards are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's no like sorcerers or druids or anything. Did in... you ever watch that video I sent you about the all wizard adventuring yes. party? <laughs> Dear God, I want to play that campaign so this is, bad. This is basically why I wanted to do this. In case you ever did like a prequel? Something. Yeah. Woo! I thought it would be really that fun. That would be fun. Or at least, you know, make a, a book or a storyline about mm. it or whatever. But um, so. The adventuring party was called the Map Mages. The Map Mages. The Map Mages. Okay. Um, so they were sent into uh, into this continent to basically get a lay of the land and conquer to an extent. Like mm-hmm. not not conquer, but like make a world, make a, a place for people to come in and live. Mm-hmm. Um, get rid of monsters and you know things that live here that aren't good so it was um, it was uninhabited by regular like, like hum- humanoid life. right yeah so like there's there's like smaller vi- villages and stuff out out there that were there long before but mm. they weren't necessarily the part that they were mm-hmm. trying to conquer um, but so there were across. there were people here before. There were some, yes. And, not and not are they lot. are they still around or here have they have they assimilated? Uh, most of them, I would say, have assimilated, but there there's pockets, probably pockets here and there of okay. people that have been there for a long time. Um, cool. So we have the party. Ooh, we have. Uh, a halfling evocation transmutation wizard named Nori Undertow, uh, also known as the cartographer. We have a uh, male uh, elf divination abjuration wizard uh, named Cadence, who was the na- the navigator. Uh, next, we have. Uh, a half orc, male half orc necromancy wizard named mm. Malgrith, uh, also known as Deadhead. Good name, Malgrith. Ariel came up with that. That's a good name. <laughs> um, then another, uh, sorry, not another, a half elf enchantment conjuration wizard named Alistera, mm-hmm. also no- known as Chastity. Um, and then a human enchanted wizard paladin named Arandor. Okay. The king, also known as Valiant. Interesting. <laughs> so, so they all had code so, names. So and... when they when they tell these like stories of their exploit or when people tell the stories of their exploits, they they can use and then Valiant, you know, that yeah. way they don't always have to use the okay. This person saying they can like Simplify it by using their their nicknames yeah. and stuff. Yep, <laughs> I like it. It's pretty fun. I have a nickname too. Yeah, my nickname is Victor. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Worm. You remembered. <laughs> <laughs> it's my human name, oh. I think. <laughs> uh, 
So I kind of wanted to, before I get into the rest of, of these, um, one quick little um, side note that kind of answers a little bit of a question that we'll get to later on mm-hmm. um, in another episode, probably. One of the things that someone asked was what separates uh, this particular world from other, either, you know, the Forgotten Realms or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things, two things. One of the things is that when you step foot on Aloin, oh yes, you and I had forgotten to tell you guys this in the beginning <laughs> until one of the until, latest like, sessions. Yeah, I think it was like two sessions ago. But you suddenly like feel a like a, a burst or a a wave over you that then makes you able to speak and understand Draconic. Um, so it wasn't a huge change for Warren it wasn't, because it wasn't that was already change, his no. first language. But you, you, I think, would have been the only one to, uh, to realize it until later on that people were speaking Draconic. Because mm. everybody else is thinking, oh, I'm speaking in my own language, and nothing has changed. Atreya's first language is Draconic as well as Aussie. Okay, well then they would understand too. But Aaliyah, who's lived here all her life, Yanti and lizard folk both have uh, Draconic as a racial language. Okay, cool. So they would all they would have all uh, understood it then. Yeah, that all of a sudden people are speaking. So speak my language, even, even though they're trying, even though they are speaking common. Mm. Everyone is now speaking Draconic. Mm-hmm. The so other draconic thing, is common here. Exactly. Basically. But it's magically so. Mm-hmm. The other thing, and it, if this that is, enchantment ever breaks, it's just the Tower of Babylon. <laughs> basically. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, and who knows, that might happen. It's but, like listening to a Pearl Jam song. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so the, the reason I bring this up with... Um, or this second point up with this question is that um, you'll notice that the only one who has a last name, and this is not because of this particular thing, but the only one who has a last name is the halfling. Undertow. Yeah. But that's more of like a halfling thing in the in the world. Like mm. they just kind of always have a, a name that associates them to kind of who they are and what they are. Okay. Um, but everyone else has to earn their last name. Huh. So so it's all kind of a title. Basically, yeah. Okay. Even Arendor still doesn't have a last name. Hmm. Or at least no one knows it. Well, that's interesting because Worm doesn't have a last name either. Right. <laughs> and I don't think it... No, I think Atreya does. Yeah. But that's because she's but from elsewhere. You guys are from elsewhere, yeah. So it's one of those things where none of these people have last names, mm-hmm. and they're just they're trying to earn it. Um, cool. I think I, I might have had Arendor have a last name by now, but I'm not it, remembering. It could just be not necessarily common knowledge, right? Um, it's like half the people just call him my liege, <laughs> right? Yeah, basically, <laughs> or your highness, or whatever. Um, so moving from that, uh, I'm gonna go into the champions of Aloin. 
So these guys and girl are the original explorers of Aloin. So once the kingdom was established and the uh, the ecosystem started to grow, uh, the king sent out these um, these warriors and these these champions to explore the the ecosystems and, and find places for people to live and, okay. and conquer things that needed to be conquered and things like that. So we have the Tundra champion. Okay. Who is a male blue dragonborn paladin named Vimran Lumiseth. He has a last name. He has a last name. Ooh. Because he is a champion. <laughs> he earned his last name. But Got he it. was specifically known for being the sole survivor of an abominable Yeti attack on his adventuring party. Yikes. When he was going out to do Sweet his... Sweet lander. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> He's very different. Yeah. Um, but he... Uh, he went out to the Tundra Land and... Cultivated it. Cultivated it, Settled yeah. it. Yeah. Created ten towns. And then... <laughs> are, there, are there ten specific towns? <laughs> no, there's only nine. No, sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh, damn. Rest in peace, Dogen's Hole. <laughs> the next one actually does not have a last name, but I think it's a lizard folk trait. Because mm-hmm. I like I was looking at the the name generators mm-hmm. and none of the the lizard folk had a last name. Okay. So I just went with one. Uh, so he's a, a lizard folk druid. Now, these these are historical. Are they still alive or no. are these okay? These are, so these are people that are talked about, right. but these are, are not these still are historical f- figures that people are like they look up to them and they they you know aspire to be venerate them. their their memory. Yeah. Um, so we have the male lizard folk druid named Listarid, uh, who was known for creating an oasis in the desert lands. Nice. So as a druid, he was able to cultivate the land in a druidic way of plant growth and, and things like that. So okay. pretty sweet. Um, then, uh, he, so he went to the desert lands. Uh, we have a female green dragonborn ranger. Uh, who went to the rainforest land. Uh, her name is Theldralid uh, Hadera. And Dragonborn have hard names. <laughs> they're, they're tough. <laughs> um, and she is known for finding Theldralid. the... Theldralid. Ooh, <laughs> Golly, what a day. That's, that's um, what came to my mind when you yeah. read it. I was like, ooh, Dalali. <laughs> Theldralid, ooh, Dalali. <laughs> Um, she is known for finding the Emerald Falls, which I'm still I am still going to figure out what specifically that is, but it is a landmark in okay. the rainforest. Cool. I was gonna ask, but if you have not done that part yet, that was gonna so, be my follow up question: is what is the Emerald Falls? <laughs> but we'll get back so, to that on a later date. The only thing I have figured out is that it is it's very like a green like. Like, even the water is, like, mm-hmm. shining green. And then, like, there's jewels and stuff that they found in the falls. Very nice. Um, but I'll I'll build some more lore around that at some point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the last one 
that I have for today. For today. For today. Is for today only. Is a male dwarf barbarian named Thor Thorthorn Tankard. Uh, what a dwarven name, right? <laughs> Thorthorn. And if he you went could say to <laughs> Thorthorn. There you go. Thorthorn Tankard. Uh, and he went to the mountain mountainous terrains, to, and he was known for clearing the mountains of goblins and orcs. Wonderful. And that's all I got, baby. Very nice. Very nice. <sighs> I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, but yeah, so those are those are some of the ones that I was able to come up with. Um, there's there's definitely more. It's a thousand years of history, so you know. And I mean, that's that's one of the <laughs> things that we kind of talked about in the in the world building episode is leave it vague enough, like don't fill out every single thing, so that when we come across something, you have that opportunity to fill in those gaps as needed. Yeah. Instead of trying to fill in a thousand years of history right. all at once, you can just kind of like, okay, so we have this generalized idea and then we come across, like you're able to now put something in there. And it's like, oh yeah, there's this weird like runic stone circle that's here. Like, oh, what does that mean? And, and we can explore that and figure out what it's about. Yeah. And it's like, it's known, but not to us. Cause we're not from here. Right. Except for, <laughs> uh, Aaliyah. Yeah. And you can either ask her and figure it out from there or ask, you know, other townspeople or, mm-hmm. or people that live around those kinds of places. Yeah. So you have your way of uh, lore dropping without having told us all in advance. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Also, like, I didn't think about this before until we were just talking about it. I was like, man, I should have left the names vague or even more vague. So if we wanted to do prequel uh, sessions or one shots or anything like that, it'd be something kind of fun. Well, for for that kind of thing, so like you could be an adventuring party that was working under one of the champions. Yeah. So it's not like they single handedly went out. And did oh yeah, this. no. The... And and even even the one with the abominable yeti attack, you could be his adventuring party that all gets killed yeah. off. Like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you'd be like, hey, make a character you don't super care right. about. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of like what I was thinking about too. Was um, there's a. a a critical role uh one shot kind of thing. I think they did a mini series about mm-hmm. it where it was um the calamity mm. and this was a big you know historical thing that happened, but they made an entire story out of it where you knew everybody was gonna die, yeah, and like everything was gonna fail, but it was still yeah, so amazing to watch them like try and fix it or. <laughs> realize that they're not going to and just yeah. go all right <laughs> yeah so so we actually did did one like that in my homebrew world where um i wanted to introduce the villain from one of my character's backstories he was a uh uh weird mutated goblin named grothmog which for those lord of the rings fans out there i did not come up with that <laughs> He wrote that into his backstory, and he's like, hey, do you, do you, do you recognize that? I was like, yeah, it's very similar to Gothmog. I, I did pick up on that. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yes, I, I, understand. I got that reference. Thank you. Um, but we, we wanted to introduce him because he was going to be 
like the the main dude in the next arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I made him an absolute freaking monster. Like, yes, he's a goblin. He's sh- he's small, but there's something weird about him. Like yeah. he's he, basically he was a demigod mm-hmm. um, that was you know born of of the the demonic lord of slaughter. Um, so he was like imbued with just supernatural violence mm-hmm. and was really hard to kill and like all this other stuff. And so Heather wanted to run a one shot and we kind of brainstormed this idea of like, Hey, what if we had everybody make characters and told them beforehand, like, Hey, make characters that you're not super invested in because it's very possible that they're going to die. Translation of that was make characters that are going to die because Heather was like, nobody's surviving this. And I was like, perfect. So I worked on making Grothmog's uh, stat block and then she worked on the rest of the combat and then got like lore from me and like, okay, what are his tactics? What does he do? Like what, what kind of like troops does he use and like how does he view his soldiers so that we know whether or not they're just disposable pawns or whether he cares and wants them to stay alive and like all this other stuff so we made these characters and everybody kind of made a character that was like i'm okay if they die yeah except for one dude who wrote like a three-page backstory and i felt so bad because like he was like reading us his backstory and he's like i'm super proud of this character and i was like you didn't you didn't listen. You didn't listen, did you? <laughs> and like, I didn't know how it was going to go because I was playing in this one. I didn't know exactly how it was going to go down, but I knew that in the end we were all going to die. And sure enough, you know, over the course of the combat, we just got whittled down and she had like healers off in the forest that like, so the, the goblins would come and do these hit and run tactics and they would, they would get hit by us and then they would run away and then they'd come back at full health and we're like, crap, like there's either just a hundred goblins out in these woods or somebody's healing them. So we started like looking for the healers and stuff while the whole time just getting just beaten down. There was like a tannerook and there were orcs and there were ogres all under the command of this goblin army that was just brutal and we ended up all getting captured and dragged back to this just horrible fortress that that grothmog had made and yeah i mean it was it was brutal and everybody died and the one guy was like i thought you said make characters that we were like might die and i was like yeah but you still made one that you loved like i mean don't delete his character sheet you can use him for something else but he's he's dead in canon like he's gone but it was all this way to like introduce this villain that currently in the story that we were running none of them were strong enough to even like touch yeah and so it was this nice like okay they have this in their mind that that's what's coming like this is a thing that is in the future and 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 we even had so there was one sort of survivor he he challenged it was it was my character he challenged him to like a a, a battle because mm-hmm. he was this big freaking beefy orc he's like i can take this little punk and just got absolutely wrecked and basically told i'm looking for somebody in the city and it was this other guy's player character he's like you're gonna go and find him this is what he looks like this is how he behaves this is the way he is you're going to find him and you're going to bring him back here or I'm going to kill all of your friends. 
And then as soon as he left, he just executed them all and had full intention. As soon as he comes back, he's dead too. And so they were just waiting for this orc to show up like bloodied and broken and beaten. And she'd be like, you have to come with me. (laughs) Like, please, my friends are in danger. You have to come with me. He says he'll kill them if I don't bring you. And they were just waiting for that. And the campaign ended before they ever got there. And I was like, no. (laughs) But it was it was so much fun because like my wife and I like we collaborated and and like helped, you know, she she, like she did the bulk of it so that I didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. But she was picking my brain for all the lore and the tactics and the different stuff. She's like, okay, what would his hold be like? And I'm like, okay, this is going to be brutal. But in preparation for running this villain, I studied some medieval stuff. <laughs> so, so <laughs> this is what it looks like as you approach, and it does not get better on the inside. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> when she was, like, describing this, several of the other guys had also, like, studied some of this stuff. And they're like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, we're really in trouble, aren't we? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. <laughs> yeah, but but that was that was fun. I I do greatly miss that campaign, and and I actually ran a one shot for you guys that had. You remember when when the uh, the undead army attacked, mm-hmm. but they were worried about goblin attacks, and there had been all these goblin sightings and stuff, and it was actually refugees. It was people because he was going around to every goblin encampment that he could find, and basically giving them an ultimatum, you either follow me or you die. And if they refused, he'd just slaughter them all. And so there was all those goblins that came to the city and were like, we need help. We need refuge. Like we're, we're in trouble. And everybody was like, do we let them in? Is this a trick? And then like <laughs> the undead attacked. It was like, ah, let them in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. And oh that's, that's why, that's why Heather during that one was kind of getting teary eyed because that one, uh, that one goblin, uh, Scrath, was one of the main NPCs that was in that campaign, and he was talking about his friend Svets and like his his people that he was kind of like corresponding with and working with. And she was like, oh, "I'm gonna cry." I was like, "Yeah, me too. I really miss this campaign." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Maybe you should just start running that one again. <sighs> So my I'll play Lillander in that one. My so my plan was <laughs> my plan was we finish Icewind Dale and there is a specific role play spell that is that was added to Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that's specifically there for the DM to use mm-hmm. if he wants to switch settings. Okay. He or she. But if you want to switch settings, you have this thing. It's called like the veil of the blue dream or, or something like that, where mm-hmm. if you have an object from this other world, you can put your tar- like your, your party to sleep and use this as a focus to draw you from one world to the next. Mm. And so what I was planning on doing with Icewind Dale, if we ever finish that, is, okay, one of the loot items you find is this object that's wrapped up in a scroll that will take you to Zorse, which was the city that, that I had. Um, oh, and then the lander can actually use it. Use what? A scroll. Yes. Because of what he's going to become. Well, you're already a spellcaster, so. 
Yeah. Rangers can cast spells. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, but yeah, I was I was gonna kind of use that as like a transition from Icewind Dale to the homebrew that I miss running so bad, and then have it to where like you guys can hear of this other party that has kind of done some stuff, but with the way things left off, they're going to be occupied for a long time. Yeah. Like a long time. And so I was like, okay, I can have them dealing with some of these other things, like the Grothmog thing, which it won't be as impactful because it's not in anybody's backstory. Bummer. But there was also aggression from the, the kingdom Zemok that was, you know, trying to re like encroach on the territory of Forvir and this neutral ground of Zorse because they're like, you know what? We've been dealing with you guys having, you know, like peace in your lands and having better territory and terrain and everything for way too long. We're coming. Yeah. Like and and have that be like the arc that you guys get involved in because you would be high enough level to deal with these threats and yeah. like. Yeah, because we're uh, we'd be stopping at thirteenth level. Or... Uh, so it it depends if you do all the extra stuff, like if you just go straight for the like the story you can end it around 10th or 11th level okay if you do a whole bunch of extra stuff then it go it can go up to 13th level okay um which there's a bit much in the entire book i'm not like i've already gone through a bunch of the quests and been like i'm not doing that that's too much that just doesn't fit here that's weird like i wouldn't <laughs> have run the id ascendant like that mind flayer ship uh-huh. if we didn't have somebody playing as a mind flayer right yeah. because it, it just kind of was a, like it was this weird like sci-fi thing that didn't super duper fit with the theme of everything mm-hmm. and it kind of felt like it broke it up a little bit but i was like well, we have a mind flayer I gotta do the mind flayer ship, like yeah. spaceship, <laughs> and and I'm glad we did. It and was also fun. we have the the space Viking too. Yeah, exactly. So. so it 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 somewhat fit just because of those two characters, but otherwise that would have been one of the ones that I left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean it tells you don't try to run every quest in here. There's too many. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay with doing some some side quests, but I I do. I, even in video games, I usually do the story first and then do the side quests. <laughs> oh, dude, I do the opposite. I do like every side quest, and then by the time I get to the end story, I'm like way over level. Yeah. Like the first time I played Skyrim, by the time I fought Alduin, like I had already resolved the civil war. I had already like finished the mage's quest. I had already <laughs> done the thieves guild. I had already like just everything, like all of the other like big side quests, and then a whole bunch of the small ones. I did all of them. Yeah. And so by the time you get to Sovereign guard like i was just waltzing through just like (laughs) none of none of this matters to me at all like who are you world eater (laughs) sit down (laughs) oh my goodness it was a bit much (laughs) it was like he did not know what he got into when he attacked helgen he will learn (laughs) Uh... and they will know that helgen Belongs to the Helgast. <laughs> Different game. Bonus points to anybody who knows what that's from and leaves it in the comment. Yeah. <laughs> I will give you a big kudos and uh, a, a crisp mental high five. <laughs> I'll give you a mental hug. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. I need one. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thanks again to all of you who uh, submitted questions on uh, all things D&D. We really appreciate it. Uh, Definitely made for some awesome conversation and definitely helped me build out my world a little bit more. And I'm very appreciative of that. And we do plan on doing a part two to this because we have so many questions. Yeah, we we have so many more questions. And there were a couple that like I saw that I was really interested in because I was like, oh, Dan, this would be. And he was like. I did other ones. We'll get to those. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was thinking we might get a chance to do some, but I was like, we tangent too much. We tangented too much. And then there was a lot that I had written down. Far so. too much shenaniganery. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for those of you who are listening, thanks for listening to Critical Friendship. If you have any questions concerning anything we discussed today, you can email us at criticalfriendshippodcast at gmail.com. Or you can comment on our Instagram at Critical Friendship Podcast, and we'll try to answer as many as we can on our next episode. Join us next time, where Dan and I will be practicing and doing our best impressions of Mark Hamill's The Joker and hurting all of your eardrums. Kind of actually want to do that. But as for now, stop rolling dice, Dan. You're embarrassing me in front of the Batman. <laughs>